And with me is Dr. Rajbans, President of the Malaysian Wellness Society. Good morning, Dr. Rajbans. Good morning. Okay, this is a big headline that we've um, come across. Scientists say that headphones, these wireless pods that you put inside your ears, um, could give you cancer. I, I don't know. I personally might be inclined to believe it, but what is the science behind this, Dr. Rajbans? Could these wireless devices really give you cancer? I mean, the thing is that uh, all of them do have some sort of radiation that comes out. You know, so from handphones that they say that, you know, you keep in your pockets can lead to certain cancers. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, uh, any of these devices uh, with their radiation, I think it's more for people who are prone. Right. You know, there's some people who just genetically are more prone to get cancer. Uh, so, you know, you get people who can smoke for 40 years and nothing happens and you got some who smoke for 5 years and get a lung cancer. Mm -hmm. So, I think there is uh, definitely one uh, genetic predisposition. Second is also the the time that you use that. You know, so right. so if there's an irritant that continuously or there's radioactive that's continuously been, you know, used uh, very often for a long time, then the risk of anything goes up. You know, so that's why we advise people that if you want to use a handphone, don't talk too long. Mm -hmm. You know, and even if this now, this uh, uh, earphones is a uh, you know so I wouldn't want to keep it on and listen to music the whole day and uh, or keep it on to talk on your phone so use it when you need to and then just take it out you All know? right, that's definitely great advice coming up also a very interesting alarming article about cardiac arrest in younger and younger athletes and non-athletes we'll be addressing that next after Lenka here on light with me is Dr. Rajbans, President of the Malaysian Wellness Society. This was an article that came out uh, yesterday. Why do young people die while running? There have been a couple of cases of sudden death among people who had either taken part in sporting events or were involved in strenuous physical activity. And this was defined as sudden cardiac death due to sudden loss of heart function. And um, there was this case of the Form 4 student in Labuan who died while competing in a sprint event last month. Also last Last April, a 29-year-old um, collapsed after the 36-kilometer in the London Marathon. In India, a 22-year-old uh, died while working out in a gym at his workplace. It just seems pretty alarming. If you look at the overall statistics, it's probably quite low for young people to actually you know, drop suddenly from cardiac mm -hmm. arrest. But it can happen because uh, all these people have probably had an underlying congenital heart disease that was never diagnosed. A common one is called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy where the heart muscles actually are hypertrophied and uh, what does that mean actually basically your, the muscles you know that normal heart muscles is not so enlarged mm -hmm. but these are people who born with that condition so they actually have the muscles who are you know just like you gotta build a bicep muscle so right. imagine the heart muscle is thicker than normal so when it's thicker than normal if you do sudden serious activity the mm -hmm. you could suddenly affect where the outflow of the blood reduces or they can get the sudden arrhythmia now this is a bit more common uh, hokum or hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is not as uncommon as before uh, but most of them actually have a mild case so that and a lot of people don't really go into strenuous activities you know uh, some of these people themselves know that if they do something more severe they get a bit more tired they mm -hmm. get a bit more chest discomfort so they so they know how to you know limit themselves Doing normal activities like walking or normal exercises, normally nothing happens is when they do something a bit more extra. Right. Uh, so, if you're, even if you're a young person, if you get symptoms that not so common like for example if you are doing exercise and you feel a bit of chest discomfort a bit of sweating a bit of palpitations mm -hmm. or you feel extremely tired or giddy go and get it checked up don't right. think it's just that oh I'm not fit so you know if it happens quite often get it checked up make sure it's not something congenital like a hokum you know and if you are someone who is older and just want to start exercise always good to get it 
yourself assess first right with a know? with a proper doctor proper yeah? doctor yeah and maybe if you start start slow and slowly build up you know some of the other things you've seen is marathon runners who are not really fit and at the end of the marathon because of what they they get collect too much of acid lactic acidosis mm-hmm. they can again have difference in their you know have problems electrolyte balance and they also can suddenly drop dead so these are some of the precautions when you're exercising uh. all right well coming up women it is said are at higher risk of kidney disease this is something we definitely want to take a look at with Dr. Rajbans. That's up next here on Light. Win your share of 15K with Sounds Like a Song starts at 9 a.m. With me this uh, morning on HealthWise is Dr. Rajbans, president of the Malaysian Wellness Society. According to the latest 2015 data from the World Health Organization, chronic kidney disease affects approximately 10% of the world's population and is among the top 20 causes of death. What's more frightening is that the number of patients whose kidneys have failed and are on dialysis has risen in leaps and bounds in Malaysia over the past decade. You know, going through this article, I'm concerned that women are slightly prone uh, for kidney disease compared to men. Is this true? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you look at the statistics, they keep more men on dialysis, 65% compared to women. You know, and it's the reason I think is because women are a bit more proactive, they are a bit more careful. Of course, the Biggest cause of kidney disease is diabetes, you mm-hmm. know, and that, that occurs in both males and females. But the thing in females is that they are a bit more prone for urinary tract infections, right. you know, because it's their anatomy. And this can be a problem if you don't diagnose it. Sometimes mm-hmm. uh, it's a chronic infection that keeps on going on, and this can slowly involve the kidneys. You can get pyelonephritis, and over time, this can actually cause scarring and damage to the kidney. So, women should always be a bit more aware that if they have urinary symptoms, quickly get it checked up. Right. What kind of symptoms are uh, do we need to look out for? I mean, UTIs? like, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, dysuria when you pass urine is painful or increased frequency of urine mm-hmm. or having some fever. So, you know, suprapubic pain. These are the common symptoms. But sometimes low grade, you might not have. You just find that you just have increased frequency of urine. Right. So, always get it checked up and if there's urinary tract infection, you have to treat it, you know, get the cultures and things like simple things like, you know, using things to alkaline the urine or sometimes even in overseas especially older people they give them cranberry juice which helps right. to you know protect bladder from getting infections so simple things like that make sure you hydrate yourselves you know cleanliness after going to the toilet all these things are important so preventing urinary tract infections will definitely reduce the risk of getting chronic kidney disease alright well coming up uh, there has been an interesting finding that mushrooms may reduce the risk of mild brain decline we'll be taking a look at that next here on Light when your share of 15k with sound like a song starts at 9 a.m. with me this morning on HealthWise is Dr. Rajbans, president of the Malaysian Wellness Society. This is interesting. Eating mushrooms more than twice a week could prevent memory and language problems occurring in the over 60s. This is research coming out of Singapore. A unique antioxidant present in mushrooms could have a protective effect on the brain. This is according to that study. The more mushrooms people ate, the better they performed in tests of thinking and processing. I'm wondering though, um, are there any specific types of mushrooms? Uh, or any mushrooms is okay. I suppose any mushroom because it contains the antioxidant ergothionine. You know, also contains vitamin D, selenium, mm-hmm. and other antioxidants. So, uh, again, it's just one of those natural fruits. You know, and you know, of course, you hear, you know, every time there'll be a new blockbuster, f- uh, you know, yeah, exactly. uh, sort of a uh, food or natural food, food out there. Superfoods, they use the word, yeah. And uh, so, I definitely no harm. But I think it's not just mushrooms alone. It's the overall diet.
diet that you take you know we know that vegetable fruits fish all these are you know what the okinawans the mediterranean so these are overall healthy food so definitely adding mushroom into part of your you know meals is definitely no harm okay. it's quite good and uh, but make sure it's also full of uh, you know other sort of uh, healthy superfoods uh, and cut down of course the processed foods and your carbs that's the most important thing right. get some exercise with regards to mushrooms though can this help with those uh, suffering or prone for dementia yeah i, I don't think so unless you probably they can uh, take out uh, you know and purify that uh, whatever the antioxidant that is there need and see whether you can actually use it as a treatment you know but i mm-hmm. think you know, when you already got dementia uh, just keep taking mushroom not going to really help but uh, again there'll be no harm you know like a lot of people talk about extra virgin coconut oil i tell them no harm right. <laughs> you know you can try all this but uh, you know once you get the disease it's a bit more difficult so prevention is still the best all right well coming up it is multiple sclerosis awareness month this is a disease that not many malaysians are aware of we'll be discussing that next here on light it's HealthWise with Dr. Rajbans, president of the Malaysian Wellness Society. It's also Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Month, though. I don't think that uh, we have that great of an awareness for MS here in Malaysia. Why is that? I mean, one is it's very rare here. Uh, it's an immune system disorder that if the, you know causes inflammation of the myelin sheets of the neurons, and that causes damage to your neurons. So it's a remitting, relapsing sort of disease. Very common or more common in the Caucasian, the Western population. In fact, I haven't seen. I didn't seen one for a long time until last month when I managed to diagnose a case of MS, which was also not a Malaysian. He was a foreigner from oh, Canada. Oh, I see. So okay. there is a multiple sclerosis clinic in the General Hospital, KL, where they got all the MS that are they diagnosed here uh, among Malaysians, and they actually followed up and treated there. But again, the number is small, so it's not something that you you know hear a lot about or know a lot about. It's important to actually if you suspect to send to the right doctors uh, diagnosis uh, should be done and there are medications that can stop the progression of the disease you All know right. can you tell us what to look out for with MS early kind of detections and early actually, signs the symptoms are actually very vague because it's uh, you can come out with things like uh, you know s- uh, sudden loss of vision tingling sensation numbness paralysis headaches uh, you know seeing some people a bit of confusion so they're very vague symptoms they can occur anywhere but if they come and get better and the doctors find that there's you know they do a scan and mm-hmm. nothing else and the patient has recovered so they could be actually the initial stage there are four phases of MS then they have to start looking at more tests you know they're doing more uh, things like a MRI scan of the brain or even a lumbar puncture to try to diagnose that disease because early stages the symptoms can be just like anything else because right. it comes and goes only later when it's a disease so progresses and you get more persistent symptoms people can diagnose but early stage they have more of neurological symptoms if you can't find anything then you must suspect MS alright well thank you Dr. Rajbans uh, for addressing all these medical concerns this week do you have some wise words for us uh, no real wise words but uh, things like uh, the, you know we talked about the Malaysian Wellness Society and you know the first thousand was actually interestingly sorry taken up you know people oh, are yes. actually very interested so what uh, we have done is we have opened for the another thousand free memberships and uh, so please come join it's I think exciting because I think people want to know more about wellness and you know there's some place where they can go and meet and listen and uh, hear when we have our workshops or you can go to the website and pick up a lot of information about wellness mm-hmm. so please go in join is still free for the next 1000 at www.malaysianwellness.org. Malaysianwellness.org. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Rajvans.